This episode is sponsored by Marvel Strike Force. If you're looking for a superhero-themed mobile game, look no further. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Your goal is to power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes like Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. The game is currently celebrating its 6 year anniversary, and they're letting new users in on the celebration by providing free stuff, courtesy of our unique link in the show notes. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses, and if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all of the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code, so new users can follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Thanks to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Home Daily for Thursday, March 2nd, 2023. On today's episode of the show, we're going to be gathering around the virtual water cooler and talk about what we've been up to. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm an editor at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. Brad, what have you been doing recently? Anything? I, I, you don't have anything marked down on our dock here, but I was just curious. Uh, no, honestly, not much of anything. You know, I've, I've been kind of home a lot. I've been fighting like uh, like this, like long sinus infection, uh, kind of on and off. And it's been really annoying. I haven't really been going anywhere or doing anything exciting, just mm. watching movies and TV shows and working and trying not to die. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, we'll talk about at least some of that a little bit later on. Uh, I actually did leave my house for once and went out and did something. My parents for, uh, for Christmas got me and my wife tickets to see Journey and Toto in concert. Toto was opening for Journey. Nice. Uh, and we, we went with my parents and it was a really cool uh, experience. We went in, in, here in uh, Jacksonville. And um, man, they're just like killer. Uh, I, I love this experience. It was so great. We, my wife and I saw Journey at the Hollywood Bowl in 2015. Um, and they have a, a new quote unquote uh, lead singer who's been their lead singer for a long time now. I don't know if you've heard this story, Brad, but uh, Arnel Pineda, I think is his name. Um, and he was like found on YouTube. There was, there's this amazing documentary that was made in 2013, I think, about the story um, where like Steve Perry, the original singer of uh, lead singer of Journey, he, he like left the band due to vocal problems and they had to like find a new lead singer. They just like found this guy on YouTube who sounded just like Steve Perry and asked him if he wanted to be in the band and just like totally changed this guy's life. So um, he has been with the band for a long time now and is just like absolutely shredding. Uh, he's like 55 years old and just, you know, dancing around the stage going nuts. So um, 
really, really cool opportunity there. Also, did you know that the, I, I doubt very seriously that you knew this, Brad. Did you know that the lead singer of Toto is John Williams' son? No, I didn't know that. That's amazing. <laughs> yes. Uh, he's been like on and off of the band for a long, long time. And uh, yeah, he was just like the lead singer and the lead guitarist of the band. It was just absolutely shredding up there. It was unreal to watch. Um, so anyway, yeah, if you have the opportunity to see Toto and Journey live and you are like me, a fan of 80s hair metal uh, and bands like that, highly, highly recommend it. Really, really great show. So um, very much enjoyed that. All right, let's get into what we've been watching recently. Uh, Brad, you and I saw Cocaine Bear. What did you think about it? I was pretty disappointed with Cocaine Bear. Uh, Me too. Not, not going to lie. Uh, and this is a thing, too, where I was very much prepared to have a lot of fun with this movie. I, I was in the mood to watch a, a bear do cocaine and tear people apart. Uh, and there there is some of that. It's, you know, it, it delivers on what the uh, the title promises, but... It just it doesn't feel like it gets it digs enough into the lunacy of, of the premise. Like it, it feels like it takes itself a little too seriously. Um, it, it, it feels like it tries to make you care about characters and it doesn't do enough to actually do that. Um, there, there's one high point in the movie and it's, it's the ambulance chase that's teased in the trailer. And thankfully, they don't, they don't ruin the best parts of it, but it never really reaches any other peaks than that. And it just kind of putters out at the end. I just I was hoping for something that was actually going to be more more funny um, and there is some comedy that comes from the brutality of the, of the bear attacks every now and then. Uh, but I, I wish it would have leaned into that a little bit more. And uh, yeah, I just I just came away feeling like it was a lot of wasted potential. Yeah, 100% agree. I, I really felt like it wasn't very funny, which is what I was I was like you, like op- open to laughing and hoping to have a great time with this. And I just thought the humor didn't really land. And then the deaths which I guess if you're not going to be funny in a movie like this, like the deaths really need to step it up. And I thought a lot of them were just sort of like run of the mill. And there were, there were a few moments of like, uh, I would say like extreme violence that did not tonally fit with the whole rest of the movie, but kind of made me like, you know, sit up in my seat. Like, wow, this, this sort of switched into a whole different type of movie here for a second. Um, but yeah, I just, I found the whole experience to be um, really disheartening because it just, it felt like there was so much uh, that they could have done with something like this. And then it just kind of all, I don't know, it, it didn't have a, a strong enough skeleton. You know, there, the yeah. idea was there, but it just, the uh, the bones weren't weren't quite all in place. But um, yeah, I, I will give a shout out to the the soundtrack, which I thought had a couple of great moments. That It opens with, um, I think it's Jefferson Starship's Jane, which is the same song that uh, is featured heavily in uh, Wet Hot American Summer, which... Elizabeth Banks starred in and she also directed this movie. Um, and then there's a moment where some characters are singing uh, Jeffrey Osborne's On the Wings of Love, which <laughs> I enjoyed. Um, you know, so I, th- I thought the soundtrack was like pretty good and, and the 80s setting worked well enough for what it was. But like, yeah, like the, the idea that this is Ray Liotta's last movie is really depressing. And um, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Any any closing thoughts on Cocaine Bear? No, yeah, I just, I just wish it was better. I wish that script got a doctored up a little bit more and uh, really just had had a, a bigger punch. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think about the look of the bear itself? You know, for the most part, I thought it was it was pretty good. Uh, you can definitely tell that it's it's, a, uh, you know, a CGI bear, which is fine, but it, it looked better uh, than I think that I anticipated. And I, uh, I was ne- there was never a moment where like it looked bad and I was taken out of the situation, especially when you have to consider there are so many shots where 
uh, you all, they also have to create computer generated like cocaine dust and like mm-hmm. plumes when the bear is digging into that stuff. So I, th- I think overall for, for the, the scale of what this movie is, the, the visual effects look pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I was surprised at that. Um, okay. So let's get into what else have you been watching, Brad? What have you been checking out recently? Uh, I, I watched uh, an unfortunate romantic comedy uh, on Netflix, a Netflix original called Your Place or Mine. And this is the uh, the new romantic comedy that stars Reese Witherspoon and Ashton Kutcher. And, you know, Netflix has been a place that's kind of like, quote unquote, uh, saving the romantic comedy because, you know, studios aren't really taking a chance on them anymore or sending them to theaters and they end up uh, on streaming services. Uh, but if this is like the kind of romantic comedy we're going to get, then just let that genre die a slow, <laughs> painful death. Because this was just boring and bad and not funny. And there was zero chemistry whatsoever between Reese Witherspoon and Ashton Kutcher. Uh, some of that is because the movie is framed as like this uh, when Harry met Sally meets the holiday kind of thing where Ashton Kutcher and Reese Witherspoon are these two people who they hooked up when they were in their like mid twenties, uh, but it didn't turn into a full fledged relationship. But they've remained remained super close friends for like their entire life. And now one lives in New York, one lives in uh, in like Los Angeles, and then they they swap uh, houses so that she can finish uh, some kind of educational program and so that he can uh, watch her her adolescent son. Uh, while she does that because her babysitter bails and whatnot. And so like their entire communication unfolds through phone calls and texts and stuff like that. And it just has this really poor pacing. It's I'm sitting there waiting for like something remotely funny or interesting to happen. And it, it just doesn't. I, I I have no idea what happened with this movie. Like someone like probably heard the, the, the premise and they're like, oh yeah, that sounds like it could be good. And then never read a script, just assumed everything was going okay. Mm. And, and, and this is what we got because uh, it's just it feels so long and it's just not, nothing really happens in it. And uh, yeah, I was just I was flabbergasted that a movie of this of such poor quality uh, made it through, especially because it's um, it's from uh, Alan Brosh McKenna, who did Devil Wears Prada. She you know, mm. wrote Devil Wears Prada. And, uh, and even Morning Glory uh, is, is a pretty good romantic comedy. But it's just bad, bad, bad. Don't waste your time. Yeah, so that's called Your Place or Mine. And it just seems like, you know, the days of uh, To All the Boys I Loved Before and Set It Up, which are, I feel like, two of the, the movies that sort of kickstarted that uh, narrative that uh, that Netflix is saving the rom-com. It just feels like that was, you know, five years ago. And I guess maybe because it was. But, um, yeah. yeah, bummer. Okay, so hopefully the other things you've been watching are a little bit better than that, maybe. I don't know. Fingers crossed. What, what else have you been checking out? Yeah, pretty much everything I've been watching is, is better than that. I, I could have I could have watched a, a pile of garbage and it would have been better than that. <laughs> um, and I watched Blast from the Past for the first time, uh, which is a, a Brendan Fraser movie uh, from back in like the, the early 2000s. Um, and it also stars... Uh, Dave Foley and Alicia Silverstone. Uh, actually, it's right. it might be from like 1999. It might have been like a turn of the uh, the century kind of kind of movie. But uh, the premise for this movie is that um, Brendan Fraser's uh, parents they live uh, back in like the the 1960s era, uh, played by Christopher Walken and Sissy Spacek, and it's during the time when there's like uh, the scare of like you know a, a nuclear bomb going off, an attack you know happening, and uh, America basically being in this state of fear. And there's uh, a, a plane accident ha- happens outside their house that makes them think they're being attacked. And Christopher Walken's character has, is like this engineer and scientist who has built this incredibly elaborate bomb shelter that basically 
looks like like the inside of a like 1960s uh house and so uh, them and their their young son uh they go or, or rather she sees basically is pregnant they go to the bomb shelter thinking that they're being attacked uh and like it's it's sealed off there's like the, the house burns down and there's no evidence of like there being a bomb shelter so they're down there and they're they're stuck down there for 30 years. And so Sissy Spacek ha- has her kid and he grows up in isolation in this bomb shelter. And then uh, flash forward 30 years, they uh, they have to go up and see like the time enough time has passed for them to see like what's going on where they think like there's this like post apocalyptic, you know, mm-hmm. nuclear hellscape. And so Brendan Fraser is sent to go up to like see what's going on because his father has fallen ill. And so it's Brendan Fraser as this like, you know, uh kid kid who's grown up with with nothing and like is just very uh naive and doesn't understand the real world going around and like figuring out what to do and uh meets alicia silverstone who is like this kind of cynical la girl and tries to help him and there's there's a bit of romance and whatnot and this is just like it's such a high concept for a what is a very charming romantic comedy and they this is exactly the kind of movie that studios don't make anymore. It's like it's it's a little bit weird. It's it's quirky, but it's got charm to it. The performances in it are, are really fun, um, and like it's these, these are the kind of movies that like I, I miss seeing because the concept isn't like big enough to to warrant spending you know a blockbuster budget on, uh, but it's not small enough to where you could easily make it as as an indie. You know, there's a lot of really involved moving pieces in in making this kind of story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I really enjoyed it. It's just it's it's a lot of fun, and I, I like I said, it makes me miss movies like this. Last from the past. Do you remember where you watched that? So it was on HBO Max, but part of the reason I watched it was uh, I think that I saw that it was leaving relatively soon, so it might not be on HBO Max anymore, but it easily could have jumped to another streaming service. So you okay. might, just to, might just have to take a look and see where else it's at. Gotcha. All right. What's next? Uh, I also watched Linoleum, and this is something that I actually watched uh, a while back. For the first time I ever watched it um, was South by Southwest in 2022. This was last year. But I rewatched it recently because I was able to interview Jim Gaffigan, who stars in it uh, in a, a dramatic turn and plays two characters. And I also talked to writer-director Colin West about the movie as well. Uh, and this is uh, just a really cool movie. And I don't want to give too much away about it because it's the kind of movie where as you watch it, like things start to happen and there's there's like little like clues and, and, and pieces that feel like they don't make sense. And the story maybe feels like it's a bit disjointed. But if you're if you're patient it's very rewarding uh, in the end with what what the movie does. It's a it's a, v- a very cool, uh, unique story where Jim Gaffigan gives this this fantastic performance. Uh, Rhea Seahorn from Breaking Bad and uh, um, Better Call Saul is in it as well. And it's uh, yeah, th- I just really found myself entranced by this this movie. Uh, and it's one of those movies where when you watch it a second time, which I did recently for before the interviews, you really, once you know what's, what's going on, you pick up a lot more details and it's just, uh, it's just really entrancing kind of like beautiful uh, tapestry that I just, I really enjoyed. Awesome. Yeah. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing this after reading your interview coverage. Uh, this one is available on um, I think VOD right now, if people want to check that out. Yeah. And it's also playing in uh, limited theaters as well. It's, it's oh, it cool. Be, it should be expanding to more theaters this weekend. Awesome. Oh, sweet. I thought this was just a VOD movie for some reason. I am an idiot. Okay. Uh, let's see. What else? Um, oh, man, you've been diving into some uh, Mel Brooks stuff. Yeah. So it had been a long time since I'd seen 
History of the World Part One, uh, and I'd forgotten a lot about it because I, th- I saw it when I was like was I was pretty young uh, after seeing stuff like Spaceballs and Robin Hood Men in Tights, uh, and I rewatched it because History of the World Part Two is coming out next week, and I also did interviews for that, talking to uh, Nick Kroll and Ike Barinholtz, who star in it and write and executive produce. And I also talked to showrunner David Stassen and director Alice Matthias, who's also worked on uh, I Think You Should Leave and, and Documentary Now and like some of the best sketch comedy uh, of the the past decade. And so yeah, uh, History of the World Part 1 is a lot of fun because it's classic Mel Brooks. But the uh, in watching it, I kept thinking to myself, wow, this premise really does lend itself better to TV. And I feel like it's going to have a lot more room to like work in, in that television format because – uh, it jumps around as like an anthology kind of thing. Basically, it's it's a collection of like shorter comedy stories, and there's there's some that are shorter than others. Some they're just some funny little bits, and then like the bulk of it is basically like a parody of like Roman epic kind of movies that finds Mel Brooks, uh, you know, running around Rome and like uh, you know evading being being caught and captured and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it has all of his signature you know meta tropes, and there's uh, the the big famous musical number involving the the Spanish Inquisition and that kind of thing. And it's it's a lot of fun, but I found myself. Uh, enjoying History of the World Part 2 a little bit more just because of how well it works in TV. And it captures like a lot of the classic Mel Brooks uh, stuff, you know, from like slapstick things and like little funny, you know, uh, jokes that are just like sight gags and like um, little physical bits like that. But it also brings in this contemporary comedy style that has like a little bit of documentary now flair and then uh, a, a big inspiration from Kroll show. And if you never watched Nick Kroll's Kroll show on Comedy Central, it was a, a sketch comedy show that basically parodied a lot of reality TV shows. And Nick Kroll played a bunch of different characters, but all of these shows essentially existed in the same universe. And there was a lot of interconnectivity and like serial stories that were ongoing within each of, of the shows. And this does a similar thing where there's uh, the, there's ongoing story arcs. There's like uh, each episode has bits from like the Civil War, uh, has stuff that happens um, with 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 Jesus and it, with this like Kirby enthusiasm kind of approach. Uh, and there's one where uh, Wanda Sykes is starring in this like uh, '70s style sitcom about Shirley Chisholm, and it plays out exactly like a, a, a TV show. And then there's some like modern stuff like uh, like like TikToks with Galileo and like a, re- <laughs> a reality dating show uh, with the the brides of like Genghis Khan and stuff like that. Uh, and so there's, there's a lot of really fun stuff in here. Um, and so there, there's this great, you know, carryover of ongoing stories with Ulysses as Grant and, and Jesus. But then there's also little other like bits sprinkled throughout. And it's just, it's a lot of fun. And it's, uh, it's also much raunchier than history of the world part one. And that's because uh, one of the things Mel Brooks told Ike and Nick was that don't be afraid to tell dirty jokes. Like he, he didn't want them to feel like they have had to hold back. And it's uh, it's it's great. It's really good stuff. And that's uh, that'll start airing on March 6th. And they're releasing uh, two episodes each night, uh, every night next week. Awesome. So I also watched History of the World Part One when I was really young and I have not revisited it since then. Um, the the part two uh, Hulu show cast is just absolutely stacked. Like, yeah. you know, some of the funniest people alive right now. When you were watching the first movie, did it feel like that film's cast was stacked in the same way for that era. I don't even remember who was in it aside from Mel Brooks. Yeah, it's but but it's one of those things where it's it's a lot of uh, older like big big comedy names. You know, like uh, for the longest time, Mel Brooks worked with Sid Caesar, and and, mm-hmm. uh, and he has a part in that movie. Uh, Gregory Hines, uh, Dom DeLuise, Madeline Kahn, Cloris Leachman, Harvey Korman, uh, Ron Carey, like all all these older 
uh, comedic names. And Orson Welles is also the narrator of the movie too, which is a lot of fun. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, it's like, uh, you know, it's the, the kind of thing where it's, it's a whole new generation of comics in history of the world part two. And because there's so many more uh, segments that you get to actually see even more famous, you know, uh, comedians, great, great, funny people than you do in history of the world part one. Awesome. Uh, okay. Before you finish with your last thing, let's take a quick break and then we'll be right back. What's the easiest choice you can make window instead of middle seat, picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket, outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. All right, Brad. So you uh, you've caught up almost with Poker Face. What do you think about the show so far? Yeah, man, I've I've been digging this show a lot. You know, it's um it, it takes something special for me to get into crime procedurals these days, just because they're a dime a dozen. You know, um and Natasha Leone is just uh, a treasure in this series. Like she's she's so much fun and what uh, watching her character you know be the one who uh, gets caught up in you know random assorted crimes that are that are happening. Uh, and the the great thing about her is that she's not necessarily like actively seeking out these crimes. Like she just happens to be in the wrong place, wrong time. But then she also feels beholden to like when she realizes somebody is lying about something to to help and like figure out what's going on and make sure that, you know, nothing bad, uh, nothing else bad happens to anybody that the people who are you know responsible for the murders like get, gets caught and faces justice basically mm-hmm. uh and so yeah it's it's been great and there's there's of course a an overarching serial element that you know keeps you interested so it's not even though it is you know crime of the week kind of thing you're still invested in her as a character and, and what's happening so it's yeah it's, it's just been a lot of fun and I've, I've really been enjoying it i think there's a new episode that came out today i've not seen that one and i've not seen the previous one. So I think I'm yeah, too same. behind. That's, that's me too. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know if you remember, but when I was first talking about this show a few weeks ago, I, I sort of uh, intimated that I, I felt like the show was missing a little bit of a, a little bit of something. I, I couldn't quite put my finger on it. Um, I'm curious what you think about, uh, like, obviously I, I love Natasha Leone as well. And and I, I really like the concept of what this show is like this sort of, um, you know, on paper, it's great. Like the week to week, kind of thing and bringing in a new cast and, and all of that stuff. I, I love that, but I, I still can't quite put my finger on what it is that I'm, I'm not fully clicking with, with the show. And I was curious if you're like all in or if you have any reservations about it as well. No, I haven't really had any reservations. Honestly, I I've been, I've enjoyed uh, each episode and I, I, I like how they vary up 
uh, how she gets caught up, you know, in in the various murders, and especially the the storytelling style of how uh, sometimes you find out where where Charlie is uh, at the beginning of an episode. Sometimes you don't find out until after the the murder happens and it's an exciting incident. Uh, and so play, playing with that, you know, it, it changes up the formula so that it doesn't feel quite so formulaic, even though it, it does, you know, steer very close to being like other crime procedurals. So no, I'm I'm definitely uh, all, all aboard at this point. Cool. Um, I will just say, being two episodes behind, I do kind of hope that that overarching storyline comes back into play at some point and, and that it's not something that just get, uh, gets punted to the second season because, <laughs> and like in a way, I realize this is like missing the point of the entire show, but I think it did such a good job in the, the first, what, two episodes, I think, with that sort of Benjamin Bratt subplot that I, I'm like curious about what happens there. So like uh, maybe that's something that... Um, that I shouldn't be putting my focus on. In fact, I'm sure that I shouldn't, but um, at the same time, it's like, you know, this it's, it's in a way a compliment to the show coming out of the gate so hot, you know, doing, doing so well right from the start um, that I'm, I'm curious about what happens there. So, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens, but um, okay. I, I'll just mention it. Two movies that I watched recently. I saw old, the uh, 2021 movie by M night Shyamalan. I missed this at the time and finally caught up with it. Um, I, I dug this for the most part. Did you see old Brad? I did. Uh, and it's very weird. It is. An, it is an odd movie. There's some imagery in here that is like truly haunting. Like the, the, uh, I guess I can spoil this movie now because it's been, you know, a, a couple of years, I guess, since it came out. Uh, but there's a moment in the cave with one of the characters who's aging rapidly and, uh, her bones start breaking and she, and then like, almost instantaneously healing and then she's just like spinning over in this sort of mass of uh of bones and it's like man this is like true horror movie stuff right here this is like you know she's she's using a lighter one of the characters is using a lighter and it's very dark and uh just yeah twisted in the most literal sense it's it's really um kind of a gruesome image in, in a movie that doesn't have anything else that's quite that extreme in it um but man, yeah, the I thought the the cast was great in this. Uh, Gail Garcia Bernal, uh, Vicky Kreps, um, Eliza Scanlon is in this. Um, who else? Uh, Rufus Sewell, uh, Alex Wolf. I mean, yeah, there's like a really really good collection of people here. Uh, Ken Leung uh, is in it as well. So um, yeah, I, I just like I think I was on board with this movie for like almost all the way up until the last like 10, 10 or fifteen minutes or something, and then I thought it just like completely fell apart. Uh, but I, I got so much enjoyment out of most of it that I ended up still like enjoying the experience overall. So, um, yeah, yeah, I would, I would, yeah, I would agree with you. I, I didn't, I didn't enjoy the ending, uh, that much either, but it's, and I, I once it was over too, I was kind of just filled with like a sense of existential dread too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really taps into, you know, th there's some ridiculous stuff that happens in the movie, but I think it does a really good job of, um, and like the, the plotting is not necessarily it doesn't always make sense. And like the, the final reveals and things like that sort of raise more questions than I think the filmmakers wanted. But, uh, but the, that it really feels like M night Shyamalan was like in the pocket when he was making this movie. He, it, you know, the camera work was on point, like all the thematic stuff was clicking, like the idea of, um, you know, the, the horrors of aging and like, uh, the different ways that that idea is explored throughout this movie. I thought we're all like super, super effective until the very end and like the plot sort of has to come back in for the story to end. So um, yeah, th there's really a lot of good stuff. I, I would say it's it's worth checking out even if you sort of brace yourself for an ending that um, sort of goofs things up a little bit. So 
Uh, I believe I watched it on HBO Max if you want to check that out. Uh, and then lastly, I just wanted to mention that I watched this movie called Operation Fortune, Ruse de Guerre, which I think was supposed to come out in... 2021 or 2022 or something. Uh, this is a new movie that uh, is actually going to be in theaters, I think, starting tomorrow. And it stars Jason Statham as like basically Jason Statham, this the sort of character that he's played in practically every movie. Um, but it has a really, really fun supporting cast around him, including Aubrey Plaza and uh, Carrie Elways and uh, Hugh Grant plays the villain and Josh Hartnett plays a movie star. And the basic premise of this is that uh, Jason Statham is like the leader of a spy team and something has been stolen. You know, there's a threat to the world. And the only way that these people can, this spy team can uh, get access to the brokers and the dealers and these people who are making this deal for this mysterious uh, MacGuffin, for lack of a better term, is to basically blackmail a movie star into coming with them uh, to this charity auction, this charity event where the lead villain played by Hugh Grant is obsessed with this movie star. So it's a really fun premise of like taking this fish out of water along for the ride with on this sort of spy adventure. And Josh Hartnett does a great job of playing the movie star who has no idea what he's doing and sort of starts embracing the idea that like, his best role is playing himself in like a high stakes, real danger environment. Um, and a lot of people are having fun in this movie. Nobody's having more fun than Hugh Grant, who's basically just doing a Michael Caine impression as the villain. And uh, it's it's very entertaining to watch him. But the movie itself, it just sort of sits there the whole time that Guy Ritchie directed this. And I would not have been able to tell um, if you, you know, put a... a put a blindfold on me when it said that uh, in the credits or whatever, you know, it just, it just does not have the style that a lot of his other films have. It does not have any sense of personality to it. It just sort of feels like anybody could have directed this. Um, Chris Evangelista wrote a review for us on slash I'll try to link to that in the show notes, but I encourage people to read that and check it out. Um, I, I would just say this is one of the rare movies where I want there to be a remake of this movie right now with the same cast giving their same performances, but just a better script. Like I, I really want, and you kind of alluded to that a little bit with, um, with cocaine bear earlier, Brad, like maybe that would fall in that same category, but like, I like the idea of what this is on paper. And I liked a lot of what these performances are. I just wish that they had better, more interesting things to say. And that the movie itself um, was sort of lifted by its its screenplay instead of just sort of sitting there like a, a lump, you know. So uh, that is Operation Fortune Ruse de Guerre, if you uh, are interested in braving, uh, whatever, braving mediocrity to see that in theaters. Um, there you go. Uh, what have you been eating recently, Brad? Oh, just some fun little treats. Uh, I'll start off with a couple soft drinks that I tried. Actually, a few soft drinks, I guess. Uh, it's you know it's Easter season, so there's a lot of Easter candy and snacks out, and that includes uh, a bunch of Peeps. How do you feel about Peeps, Ben? You know how I feel about this. We've had this conversation before. I think I hate Peeps. They're the yeah. worst. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, I'm, I, I. But here's the thing: if there, whenever there's a new flavor, I'm always interested because I want to see how they capture the flavor, even though I hate the granulated sugar texture of of Peeps. Uh, but this I was able to try because it's there's not that granulated sugar feel because they have Peeps Pepsi that is available now. Uh, you can get it in convenience bottles or a, a box of mini cans, and it is marshmallow flavored Pepsi, officially branded by uh, by the Peeps. And uh, they really missed the train by not calling this Peepsy. 
Uh, but I'm sure that n- neither brand wanted to tarnish their own brand just for that clever name. So, uh, but we're going to call it Peepsy. And uh, honestly, it's, I didn't think it was bad. It's very sweet, uh, like almost sickeningly sweet. But what I liked about it is the marshmallow flavor almost makes it feel like it's like a like a Pepsi float, just just without like uh, an overwhelming like ice cream flavor. It's just a marshmallow flavor instead of uh, an ice cream flavor. Hmm. So it's not bad, but it is very sweet. So if you don't like super sweet uh, colas, then it's probably not going to be for you. Okay, so that's uh, Peeps Pepsi, and then mm-hmm. what else? I also tried Coca Cola Move, which is the latest flavor from the Coca Cola Creations brand. Uh, they've been releasing a lot of uh random flavors lately that have like these kind of abstract names where they don't really say what the flavor is but like the name of it kind of like uh gives off like a sort of vibe i guess you could say like they did one that was called uh pixel and they had another one uh, that was called uh dream world and so it's it's kind of like a mystery flavor coke and so this one is called move it's a uh, a collaboration with rosalia who is a, a recording star right now and uh, I, I tried, uh, they have both a regular and the zero sugar version. Uh, and I tried the zero sugar version and the zero sugar version has like a floral taste to it, which makes me think it's meant to be like a rosé flavored Coca-Cola. Uh, that's kind of what I, I came up with. But some other people have like sworn up and down that it tastes like coconut. So it sounds like this one just depends on, on your palate. And I've also heard, even though I haven't tried it yet, that the regular version of Coca-Cola Move actually tastes quite different from the, the zero sugar version. So hmm. I might try and taste that and see if it is any different. But yeah, that's that's also available out there uh, now in stores. Uh, and one that I really liked uh, is the uh, new strawberries and cream Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper has really been uh, coming out with a lot of new flavors recently. Uh, they, they did a cream soda Dr. Pepper not too long ago. That is, that is great. And that also has a zero sugar version, which is delicious. And they did the same thing for, for this one. They have both a regular and a zero sugar version. And uh, both of them are delicious. The Dr. Pepper, I think, is probably the best right now at creating zero sugar flavors where uh, it actually tastes just as good as the regular version. Uh, and it, obviously it's better for you because it doesn't have a oh, crap load of sugar in it. So uh, if you get a, if you spot this, it's been kind of difficult to track down. I feel like people are buying it because it is like a limited edition kind of thing. And I see it one day and then it's gone. Uh, the next. So if you do catch it like at a gas station or at your grocery store, make sure to grab them because it's uh, it's getting harder to find, I think. Hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, what else? And then just two snacks here. Uh, Hershey's has these new, uh, what they call Milklicious Kisses. They're Hershey's Kisses that have a uh, chocolate milk style filling. Uh, now, it's not like actual chocolate milk inside Hershey's Kisses because we just don't have the science for it yet. Um, but it is, it is like this, uh, very creamy, milky filling that they, it's supposed to replicate chocolate milk. It doesn't really quite hit the mark. It just tastes like a very creamy milk chocolate, which is fine. And it tastes different enough from the typical Hershey's Kisses milk chocolate that it's, you know, it, it's a nice departure. But, uh, I guess I was hoping for a little bit more from this just because of how much, you know, I love chocolate milk. But, uh, yeah, I just, I just don't think that it's, it's too distinct of a flavor to really, uh, warrant doing something like this, but there you go. Okay. And then there's one last new thing. Uh, this was just announced not too long ago, and it should be uh, hitting stores imminently. Uh, Hostess has come out with these new things called Kaz Bars, and it's basically like a combination of a snack cake and a candy bar. Uh, it has a soft cake inside uh, with little like uh, crunchy bits inside of it, and then also a, a creamy center, uh, and it's all coated with chocolate on the outside of it. And there, there's two different flavors. There's a... a, a 
caramel chocolate version? Are you signing because of just how how overwhelming it sounds? I, I mean, that actually kind of sounds like it rules. I have to it's, say, yeah. like, I <laughs> I don't know. I hope it's good. What do you think? No, it is. Uh, so they uh, Hostess actually sent sent me the uh, the chocolate caramel version. Uh, there's also a triple chocolate uh, version. Both flavors will be out in in store sometime this month. Uh, and I, I I just tried them recently, and they are really really good. It's uh, you know they're they're soft enough to be like a snack cake, but it's they feel like. Uh, have, they have sust- substantial enough filling to kind of like feel like a candy bar. And uh, yeah, there's just a, a, a great um, mix of the two of having the chocolate and the cake and, and the crunch with the the caramel. It's just a, the ratio is fantastic. And these are, these are really, really good. So uh, these are called Hostess Kaz bars and they should be uh, on shelves sometime this month. So uh, keep, keep an eye out. Yeah, man. I like, you know, the, I, I don't do it often, but occasionally I'll go in and get, you know, a, a Swiss, a Swiss cake roll or like, yeah, a, yeah. Um, you know, a zebra cake even, yep, <laughs> which yep. makes me feel like I'm 10 years old or something. But uh, there's just something about those, uh, those snack cakes that I just can't, uh, I can't ignore them. And I, I love good candy bar too. So this combination is not something that I ever would have expected them to put together into one thing. But um, yeah, that's, that's really intriguing. Yeah, they'll, uh, they'll be available in like in boxes in stores, and then they'll have like individual convenience size bars uh, at gas stations and convenience stores and stuff. Okay, so that's called a Hostess Kaz Bar. Definitely seems like something to keep an eye out for. Um, I think that's going to do it for the end of today, or for, for today's episode. I don't think we have anything that we've been playing. Uh, Peter mentioned to me that he might not be around tomorrow, so we might not have an episode tomorrow if I get too busy. So I just want to put that out there for regular listeners. Uh, but yeah, in the meantime, you can find all the stuff that we talked about on today's show at SlashFilm.com and linked inside the show notes for this episode. SlashFilm Daily is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, uh, Spotify, and all of the popular podcast apps. Please subscribe to our newsletter. Send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at peter at slashfilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you uh, either tomorrow or Monday. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.